Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to episode 58 of the Headspace and Timing podcast, a show brought to you by the Change Your POV podcast network. Today, we're talking with Carol Prell with Sentinels of Freedom, an organization that supports wounded and injured veterans in transitioning out of the military and into higher education. More than just being a scholarship organization, however, Sentinels of Freedom is truly focused on supporting veterans and helping them thrive in spite of what happens, not do things for them because of what happens. We always try to be cognizant, not to as much as possible. Don't let your injuries and what happened to you define you. That as much as possible, you know, let's try to keep focused on where you're headed with as much, you know, nudging when we have to and just listening and um, being there at other times. Welcome to the Change Your POV Podcast Network. You're listening to Headspace and Timing, a show dedicated to breaking down the stereotypes about veteran mental health. My name's Dwayne France, and I'm a combat veteran of both Iraq and Afghanistan. After I retired from the Army, I took on a new mission as a clinical mental health counselor for my fellow service members. If you served in any branch of the military, you're familiar with the M2 machine gun, the 50 cal. It's one of the most effective weapons in the military's arsenal. If the weapon's headspace and timing wasn't set right, however, it was just a huge useless chunk of metal. Veterans can be rendered inoperable if their headspace and timing isn't set correctly either. That's my goal with this show, to change the way that we think and talk about veteran mental health and reduce the stigma against seeking support. Each week, we'll talk with mental health professionals, veterans, and those who support veteran service members and their families. We're going to have real and honest conversations about a topic that most just don't like to talk about, veteran mental health. Let's jump into this week's conversation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Headspace and Timing podcast. Once again, and as always, we really appreciate you taking the time to to listen and learn about veteran mental health and, and really maybe change the way that you think about it and have some conversations with somebody uh, that, uh, that could benefit from it. Uh, on today's uh, episode, we're going to have a, another uh, support organization-focused show. Uh, this is uh, the, the Sentinels of Freedom, the show that we're going to talk about today. Is, uh, has, was introduced to me by our guest back in episode 53, Derek Abbey. Uh, Derek uh, introduced me to our guest today, and, uh, and, and I've really been looking forward to talking about Sentinels of Freedom, what they do, and how they support. Uh, but without any further ado, I'd like to welcome today's guest, Carol Prell. Carol, hello. Hi, Dwayne. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, so before we get into um, what Sentinels of Freedom is and, and what you do, uh, maybe you could tell the audience a little bit about yourself and, and your background. Sure. 
I uh, have worked here at Sentinels of Freedom for three years now, and it was sort of by odd happenstance that I ended up here. I um, had been a stay-at-home mom for many years, raising a um, family, and then my our oldest son, when he was 18, said he was going to join the Army, and it's like, huh, okay, didn't see that one coming, but okay so after a lot of conversation he uh, went in and all of a sudden i was an army mom and i tried to learn as much as i could and then i kept participating in events through other uh, military type organizations and kept running into a man called mike conklin who is our chairman and founder of this organization and so after years of bumping into him, we got to talking and he brought me on board and um, it's definitely been a, close to my heart. My own son is still in the army. He's been in seven years now. And um, when I look back at that person that I was seven years ago, I've learned a lot, not all the army acronyms by any means, but I have learned more and I think that helps me in this job. So. I'm the case manager here and outreach manager, helping not only to educate the civilian population about what we do and who we are and how they can help us, but also reaching out and telling other veterans about uh, what we do and how we might be able to help them. So, so that's really interesting in that you you weren't a military family uh, before? It was sort of an out-of-the-blue thing that your son decided, I'm going to join the military? Yeah, it really was. My father and my father-in-law had served in World War II, um, and my husband at the time, he had not served. And, you know, our son was not the one who made a, a gun out of his toast. You know, you hear stories <laughs> right. about kids. So he didn't awful. grow up, you know, with, uh, you know, we all grew up with G.I. Joes, but it was they were toys. They weren't a way of life. Right. And he was not. Uh, yeah, that's why we were so surprised when he said he wanted to join the army. And so I had always been the soccer mom, the room mom, the PTA mom. It's like, well, OK, so now I'm an army mom and I'll figure it out and support you the best way we can. But it really caught me off guard. And not that I wasn't didn't think it was a good decision. I was just so um surprised and it was out of the blue i i that that reminds me and, and this is a story i haven't told in the podcast so you you'll, <laughs> you'll get to hear this one is that when i joined and i was in and the army was never in my um in my sights like you know like your son uh, my father was a vietnam vet so i knew of the military but uh, it wasn't you know it, it wasn't my plan for after high school uh so i was that mediocre high school kid and i applied to <laughs> one college and didn't have the money for it and so i was driving with my mom one day and uh and and i'd been thinking about it and i said to her it was sort of trepidatious and i said i may look into joining the army <laughs> and and then i braced myself right and i i expected her to and she was like oh that might not be a bad idea i was like oh, oh. okay so then uh, the next day I went down to the recruiter. I went back to mom and I said, hey, I'm joining the army on Monday. And she was like, what? <laughs> so she was like, I thought we were going to talk about it. I thought we were going to think about it. And 
Uh, and, and she had my father call me and he was a Vietnam vet. And, you know, so, so as probably with your son, it was a, a shock to my mother, um, when, when this wasn't, and it was out of the blue, so it wasn't anything. And you didn't, you didn't have time to prepare. It wasn't like you had a West Point husband that has the West Point son and, and that that's a natural progression. Yeah. And, and also at my time when I came in in, in 1992, it wasn't, it wasn't wartime. So what was it like for you and your husband to come to the idea that, that your son knew what he was getting into? Well, I have to, to my son's credit, I have to say he, he kept a dialogue open with us. So he did not enlist right away. He, he's sort of took the same approach you did. You know, this is what I'm thinking about. And, um, and I, I, in full disclosure, I was not a fan at first, you know, I was like, what, that isn't what, that wasn't what I had envisioned. And, and he, at one point he said, you know, it's not like I want to go off and be a drug dealer. I want to go join the army. You know, he could not see why I was concerned. And so that was a really telling moment. So he kept us in the dialogue when he was trying to choose which branch that he wanted to join because initially he was like I want to go in the military and so we talked about the possibilities you know which one we felt aligned aligned more closely with what his interests were in life and what would provide the best skill set or you know the options once he got out and things like that so to his credit he did keep us in the dialogue and for probably about six months. So that gave me time to get used to the idea. And that was really beneficial. Then the other really telling moment that kind of made me take take up the cause, if you will, was it was also the time of our children's lives that everybody's talking about college. What college is your son going to? Who's all mine's going to hear? Everything was about their kids going to college. And I remember one day because he had gone he was going to junior college at the time and one day they said oh you know where's your son going to go to college I said well he's actually he's enlisting in the army and they said I'm sorry yeah wow "Wow." oh no you didn't that's my son and you know then it was we were behind it completely but it just took that you know getting used to and and so that that I think in in you obviously I'm sure have seen this in in working with Sentinels of Freedom with the last three years is that um, those families who do not have um, familiarity with the military and have have no one uh, attached to the military have a certain assumption or certain idea mm-hmm. about what it's like um, and that it's it's you know it's the cast off or it's you know only. Yeah only people with no options and no futures. It's always this, this, um, second choice. And, you know, we're sorry your son couldn't get into, you know, exactly that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and so when you chose to then engage into the military culture, you know, significantly, like you said, you started working with, um, military organizations, uh, and then you got involved with Sentinels of Freedom. And so not, not really prepping what Sentinels of Freedom is um to the audience that that i haven't so far can you tell us a little bit about what sentinels of freedom is and and what the organization does absolutely 
Um, we are a scholarship foundation, and I, I have to say that's a bit of a misnomer because the support we provide is not in the form of tuition like you would typically think of a scholarship foundation. But we uh, provide assistance to post 9-11 injured and wounded veterans as they're transitioning out of the military and using uh, going through their education to go on to that next chapter, helping them maximize their potential, if you will, and uh, go on to what that what their civilian life will be. So we help them through the school, the education process. They have we have two types of scholarships, a, a full scholarship where they need to have a 50% service connected disability rating from the VA. And then we also offer a merit based grant, which is a 30% disability rating, one time stipend um, paid if they've had two years of schooling. So we have two different paths. We try to reach as many, you know, as many people as possible. But so I, I, many, many of these veterans, though, would would have their post 9-11 GI Bill. And so monetarily, um, school wouldn't be out of reach. Um, how does Sentinels of Freedom sort of work in tandem with that? So we do require that is one of the requirements that they are using either their GI Bill or vocational rehab, that they're using those benefits or that they have exhausted them, because as um, many of you um, your listeners probably know that at some point it does run out, especially if you're getting advanced degrees. And so um, even if they're just beginning, we want them using those benefits. And then we pay a um, monthly housing stipend, but we pay it directly to their housing provider, either the mortgage broker or um, landlord. And then that way they can redirect their housing allowance, and then our um, assistance is not taxable income, so that's kind of a win-win. But the reason, be, and the point you bring up is is well taken because that's also a, a misconception a lot of the populace has that well, the GI Bill that takes care of everything. Why why do they need more money? But there are gaps, and especially if you have a family you're not working, you're living on your disability uh, pay, maybe um, CRSC, some of the other benefits that you may be entitled to, but still, if you have a family and um, your spouse is staying at home to raise that family or working, I mean, there is always something. And so, uh, you know, kids get sick, kids need braces, cars need tires, those kinds of things. So, it, it just helps alleviate that. And we have students, um, scholars that are pursuing their law degree. Well, that's that's a full-time job. Mm -hmm. so <laughs> right. It, um, so it just helps alleviate that, uh, you know, trying to pull in a, a, an, an income while they're going to school and things. So unfortunately, the GI Bill and Voc Rehab don't cover everything. So that's, we try to step in and provide that but we also try to be more comprehensive and we do not just do a cookie cutter. Here's a check every month. Good luck. You know, we'll see you at the end. We really try to customize it to what their journey is. And um, 
we provide financial coaching. We have, and we don't, I should clarify, we don't provide it, but we have people that we collaborate with that do that. So we have a financial coach. We have uh, people that help with their resumes. We have a lot of frequent communication with our scholars, our veterans, to make sure that things are on track, that they're not uh, running into obstacles if they, you know, their computer breaks or gets stolen or just wears out because it's old that they had before they even joined the military. And so we try to step in and eliminate those hurdles to just as much as we can to uh, help them just focus on school and get through. And and that is a, a misconception um, that uh, that many veterans and perhaps even including myself is um, that when I get out and I don't know what I want to do when I grow up, so to speak, that I'll just go to school. Right. And 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 that that college is the end goal where it's really just a means to an end. Uh, and then when when veterans get in and it can be hard to transition into being a full time student, um, there's there might not be anything much more different than college in the army. Um, <laughs> and, and so and so that transition is difficult, compounded with the fact that um, you're working with veterans that have, as you said, 50 percent or greater VA disability. So physical disability or ratings for post-traumatic stress disorder or psychological concerns. Mm -hmm. So that can be challenging for veterans too. That's right. And that's why we, uh, the requirements we have of our uh, veterans, you know, like I said, frequent communication, let us know what's going on. And um, so we can talk through resources that we know of or suggestions, things that have worked for other uh, veterans and if it, sometimes people have been out of school for a long time or never went to school, went into the military because they didn't want to go to school. So they're trying to figure out, like you said, how to study, how to time management, that's huge. Um, and then dealing with uh, the effects of a TBI, how to mitigate that, you know, and the frustration of being sitting next to an 18 year old who's still living with their parents. And of course, they know everything about everything because, you know, they're 18. And so we like to have those conversations, you know, just for them to tell us what's going on. And, and we can make suggestions, but we're very clear. We are not social workers. We're not healthcare professionals, but we can perhaps point them in a, a direction to support them. Well, and there is a, a level of benefit to uh, peer support or, or supportive case management. Um, not that veterans need people to do things for them, but we, we simply don't know uh, what we don't know. Right. Um, I, I was the beneficiary of a, a similar program. Uh, in 2015, I was selected as a, a military scholar through an organization. Uh, and, and yes, it did come with a, 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 a monetary um, scholarship. But for me, because that program also came with a mentorship where I was paired up one-on-one -on -one mm. with a, a mentor in my career field. This was specifically clinical mental health counseling. Um, and I found that mentorship and that support and that guidance was arguably 
the money's been spent for years now, but yet I, <laughs> I still have the relationship with my, with my mentor. Um, she's been on the show before. Um, and, and I credit, um, you know, any measure of success to the support that was arguably more beneficial to me than the money. Do you yeah. see the same thing with your scholars? Absolutely. And, uh, that, Brings me to a point that I forgot to mention before. Another part of our scholarship is we do make connections for them with mentors. And uh, we have our own uh, organic group that has just grown over the years of doing this. We've been uh, an or a formal organization for 10 years now. And we've just over time accumulated a, a great network of people that want to help and mentors and stuff. And then we also use a a, an organization called American Corporate Partners, which is yep. comprised of uh, professionals, as you know, and um, that's been successful too. And and we also help with networking. Not every school program helps find internships or um, you know outside the academic world, and so we try to help facilitate those too. But Yes, definitely having somebody and, and we've had some mentors, mentor relationships that have evolved into uh, a life coach, a good friend, just a, a, a person that they can bounce ideas off of. And it, it truly is. And that's we also try to fill a little bit of that gap. Um, I know it's been said and repeated millions of times, but one of the hard things of leaving the military is all of a sudden you're alone. It's very isolating. You are alone. You don't have that, your battle buddies and your band of brothers. And um, so we, we try to let them know, you know, we are here. We will walk this walk with you. And um, so through all that and we have a facebook page that's closed just to our uh, it's just for our scholars and to try to connect and build another uh, tribe if you will which i have to make a plug i love that book tribe by <laughs> younger it was just so fabulous and i've had some of my sentinels say oh my gosh i just read this book and it called tribe have you heard of it it's like yes it's so we try to on a smaller scale, of course, but to build that, you know, somebody's here, somebody's got you where you're not as alone. And and that is very important. And, and as you uh, pointed out, uh, Sebastian Younger uh, did indicate that that was a pretty significant part um, of, of, of not just um, military service, but many cultures in, in and it was surprising to me that uh, Younger was a, an anthropologist before he was a journalist. <laughs> and the first, what, quarter of that book has nothing to do with military, um, that it has to do with sort of the background and, and how, yes, culture today doesn't have that same kind of connectedness that veterans had, that, that service members had when they were in the military and then now have when they were out. Yeah. And and it's sort of prepackaged for us when we're in the military. It's like, here's your buddies, here's your, platoon, <laughs> this is who you're at. Yeah. And so that's one of the needs. And, and I, I, I've mentioned this before on the show that we need to learn how to meet old needs in new ways 
one of mm-hmm. the needs that we don't know how to meet is how to build our own tribe. Right. And so it's good to hear that that's what one of the things that Sentinels of Freedom, beyond, again, just the, the monetary benefit, that it supports that other aspect of building a community. Yes. And we try when we can, if we're going on a, uh, if we're visiting a location where we have a concentration of a few Sentinels like um, San Diego or in Texas, uh, you know, Washington, D.C., where we have, you know, more than we're in 37 states. We have uh, scholars in 37 different states, but we do have concentrations in certain spots. And so if we have the call to go there for whatever reason, we'll host a dinner and invite everybody that's in that area so they can meet each other and tell stories and then we get to have that face to face because some of them unfortunately we never get to meet because it's all over the phone and we want them going to school where it makes the most sense for them either because they're near family or it's a school specific to their the education they're pursuing so yeah sometimes we never get to meet them but anyhow they really enjoy getting to meet each other and so, yeah, that that's another way we just try to let them know, hey, they're, you're not alone. So what are some of, um, maybe, and you mentioned briefly some of the challenges, but can you give any maybe specific examples of, uh, of a veteran that, that may have had, you know, of course, here we're talking about mental health, um, uh, psychological uh, concerns or TBI or something like that. Anything that that really threw Sentinels of Freedom that the veteran was able to overcome some of that and still succeed? Oh, um, well, we do. It's funny. Everybody handles their particular um, hurdles differently. We do have some veterans that have found they absolutely need to do it all online. They, the the noise and the activity and the hustle and just the logistics of getting to and from school are not conducive to them being in the best situation to learn. So they just do it all online. Then conversely, we have some that have found that they staying at home and being um, too isolated is not good for them either. Uh, so they have found through trial and error, unfortunately, that they have to get out and go to school and be physically a part of that community. So we do, um, you know, talk through, we ask them to send them, send us their grades at the end of every semester, as well as uh, other information just to help them keep on track. And then when we see you know, that they failed a class, it's not the end of the world. They're not dropped from the program, but we do talk to them about what what do they think happened and what how could they, what could they do differently or will they do differently if they have to retake the course? And um, so we, we do try to assure them that we understand it's a learning process, learning about themselves and now the, the new issues that they have to deal with um, so again, trying to listen to what they're expressing and um, help them talk through that. We do help 
sometimes people have, like we have a, a veteran who suffered severe burns from a blast and lost his vision. And so he has reached out and we've helped find, um, like connect with Lighthouse for the Blind, right. resource, those types of resources or assisting with finding a, a tutor, somebody that, or what he really, really needed was somebody to help him set up a system to, to keep organized. And so, you know, we, after conversations, because he was so frustrated and, you know, after talking through, we got to the kind of the crux of the matter and it was, he just could not come up with a good system that worked for him. And so we, you know, tried to, we reached out and found people that could help him set that up. And, but always, always we keep an eye towards, this is not a handout. It's a hand up. We never want to do the things for them, but we want to walk them through the process of how to, to resolve it in the civilian world, you know, things run differently and people operate differently. And, um, and I, and I certainly don't mean that in a condescending childish way. It's just a different way of doing things. And so that's, I think what I can bring to the table, what we can all bring, because I have not served. I don't know what it's like to, to suffer a, you know, a horrific injury, but I'm okay at being a civilian and I, I can help you get to where you want to go. So we try to dig down sometimes and figure out what the, the real issue is, but uh, we have a lot of amputees in the program and sometimes, uh, you know, the physical aspect is difficult. Sitting in chairs, uh, hard the chairs at college are so hard um, right no they're not brother, not comfortable no especially at 40 you know much worse than when you're 18 so um you know if we can help with just physical uh you know finding something to make it more comfortable or um so i i don't there's such a, a gamut of issues but yet, that's true. But one thing that I am hearing, a, a constant um, theme, I think, and, and I mean this with the utmost respect <laughs> entirely, are all the case managers army moms? Because, I mean, it really sounds like you're like, look, boy, I'm not going to I'm not going to coddle you. I'm going to be here. I'm going to provide you structure. But you're going to figure this out on your own. And, you know, but it but it does sound a lot like army moms. I, okay, now I have to say in full disclosure, I am blushing right now. So yes, I uh, I do pull that mom card out sometimes, and I have to say, seriously, you know that is the worst idea ever. What? Why would you think that? But I'm they know I they do know it comes I from care. a place of love. I mean, it, I mean, it in and really in, in, in from love and concern, but but just because um, you know, and your son is still in, and you know what it's like. You said you don't know what it's like to to be in that. Um, but, and you and I had talked before, but, uh, my mom served in a very different way than I did. Right. And just right, as my wife right. did. And so the family serves along with, uh, the service member. And so, you know what it's like, yeah. um, and, and that there's, there's that, 
and it's not even tough love. That's not what I'm hearing from you, but there's <laughs> boundaries and there's support. Um, and, and we are all, I am my mother's son, even at my own age. Um, and it, and it sounds like there's a, there's a benefit of support that, um, that's comforting, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in, for, for many of your scholars. Uh, I think so. I mean, I hope so. So Mike Conklin, our, our chairman and founder, he has three sons that uh, were Army Rangers. Two are still in and one is a veteran now. And uh, one of our other case managers was an Army wife and another person was a, a Navy wife. So we do have a level of understanding of what it's like, which I do think is helpful. Uh, so when they're saying certain things about uh, the VA or uh, various military things, we we do have an understanding that we we know either, okay, that's fair, I'll give you that, or no, that is, don't, that's not going to fly because we, we do know. And we always try to be cognizant not to, as much as possible, don't let your injuries and what happened to you define you that as much as possible, you know, let's try to keep focused on where you're headed and with as much, you know, nudging when we have to, and just listening and um, being there at other times. Trying so to walk and, and you've mentioned uh, Mike Conklin a couple times and, and his, and is this really sort of the way that he set it up um, from the beginning um, as a father, as you said, of three rangers and and maybe go into his story and and, and how Sentinels of Freedom got started? Because I think that's a that's a, a, a great example of someone doing what they can where they can. Yeah. So um, it started really out of, you know, his concern, his own son was injured in Iraq and he saw what he was receiving at Walter Reed, really impressed, you know, it's that you can't get much more comprehensive than at Walter Reed. And he was so impressed with that. That was back in 2003. And so when he came home and his son was well on his way to recovery and going to be okay, uh, he saw that that was not in place here, and we had um, we're located in we're actually physically located here in Northern California, and a young kid came home. He'd been run over by a tank and came home after he was re uh, had recovered, but there was nothing in place for him. He still had plenty to offer and wanted. He's a young guy. He wanted to still have a life and be part of the community and stuff. So Mike started piecemealing, tapping his network. He'd been lived here all his life. And so he had a vast network of people doing various things. And so they cobbled, um, you know, they put together things to help this particular gentleman, young kid move forward. And so then the next thing you knew as the war is going and, more people were coming home. And so they kept doing it. And then all of a sudden they said, you know what, after three years, it's like, well, I think we're a thing now. I think we need to... This is is actually, it's not slowing down. Yeah. Right, right. And so um, 
became a formal nonprofit and and move forward. Now, as the war has gone on, and now 15 years, and um, the nature of it has changed, and the injuries have changed, and funding and fatigue of the the population, we've had to adapt in order to have some sustainability. And what they offered initially was, you know, apartment, a car, a job, which was fabulous, but not sustainable for the long term. And so with thoughtful um, consideration, you know, we've, we've narrowed it down a little bit fine-tuned it more and um, I, so we have a lot more focus and I think we're a lot more effective. At, after six months of, uh, upon graduation, 90% of our guys have a job, they're employed, so we've, we're proud of that. And I mean, and that's great too. And and even just continuing to be able to provide that support uh, through, again, through this transition period. Um, mm-hmm. I I like to say, you know, it feels like eight years since I've been out, but I haven't even hit four years yet. Um, <laughs> and uh, and a mentor of mine who who you know served in Vietnam, um, he said, you know, I still have sand behind my ears. You know, yeah. I should I should come to him when I have fifteen years out, and then we'll talk about transition. Uh, but but that time is critical and it's critical to to have that support um and it's it's really good to hear that uh, sentinels of freedom is able to do that yeah and we do we 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 tell them over and over again once you graduate and get a job i mean we're we consider you part of our family and like family you're kind of you're stuck with us forever we're not going any place and we will always be here there are going to be bumps in the road down, you know, as you go on. And so we do want them to know that they can always reach back at another resource. If they're changing jobs. We can help. So it doesn't mean that, yeah, we kick them out, kick them to the curb. Okay. So long, you know, good luck. So, um, and I think by really focusing on what has been successful and what's helpful, I think initially, even though as giving them a whole new life, basically car and everything, you know, is not always in their best interest. No, that's true. But also uh, another thing that I'm sensing is that uh, Sentinels of Freedom is doing what they do well, and you're collaborating with other organizations that do what they do well. Um, that you're not trying to be all things to the veteran, um, but you're you're partnering, I assume, with other organizations, and and essentially, you know, making a a network of networks. Yes, exactly, and th- we're huge on collaboration. We, by no means, try to pretend that we can be everything to everybody, because it becomes too diluted, and then really you end up being nothing to anybody so we do uh, work closely with people uh, other organizations that we that have been successful and that are receptive and it tends to work uh, be a mutual collaboration 
And but there are so many out there that there are a lot of organizations out there that are not what we want. So we what we would want to offer. And so we try to vet the other organizations as much as possible. We don't refer people to an organization that we don't have some familiarity or experience with. Um, but and we encourage them to apply uh, just on the financial side, you know, scholarships, any other scholarships while they're in school. Absolutely. That's not going to make you ineligible for our support. You know, we want them utilizing every resource available, everything. And that and that makes me think of an issue that we do face with a lot of our Sentinels, and that's pride. <laughs> not with veterans. <laughs> and so I, I imagine it's 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 hard for them to ask for help um yes it is and they you know and i hear it so often oh no i'm sure you know give it to somebody else that needs it more i um i i'm fine it's like well you know i understand that yes you're you are but this is I, so I try to present the support and help as being a good, sound, strategic decision on their part. This is not a handout. This is being smart to utilize this resource to help your family, you know, and sometimes that helps, too, to think, to, to show how they're helping others, that it's not... This is not a handout for you. This is, you know, something that will your family's going to benefit from. And why wouldn't you, you know, if you're starving and somebody offers you bread, what you wouldn't turn that away. So it's the same type of thing. But it is hard, and I get that. And especially if they've spent years, some have spent years at Walter Reed and various uh, San Antonio, various facilities going through excruciating, painful rehabilitation, and you're always the one needing the help, needing to, you can't tie your shoes anymore. You know, you have to do all these, people have to help you do all these things, and you just get tired of needing help. And so I get that, and we don't want them, we don't want any of our veterans to get in that mindset that, okay, uh, you know, who's going to do what for me next? And sometimes that happens too. That, And so we have to kind of scale back when people are expecting, coming to expect every need to be taken care of, that, you know, let's look at how we can help you figure out how to do that because long-term, that's not uh, a good, a good operating system. I'm I'm having a, a an epiphany here. We need an army mom training program for, <laughs> for case managers to be able to say, you know, on Sundays I'll give you all that you uh, all that you want to eat, but when it comes to Monday, you got to figure out how to make your own sandwich, kid. Um, uh, and that's true. You know, at the beginning of the program, when they come on board, especially. Uh, the uh, some of our younger guys, we do a, l a lot more. I don't want to say hand holding, but we work more closely. 
Right. But then it is, we are, we are, I don't know if they are, but we are looking at, you know, slowly separating and so that they are ready to launch. I mean, it really is, it, it's exactly like raising a family. If, if we've done our job right, they don't need us anymore, you know, that they are ready to fly. And I really do. I sincerely love all my cases so much. And, um, and I do want them to succeed. And so I've had to learn that. And initially, I overdid it, you know, I wanted, I, I was too soft and too, oh, it's okay, it's okay. And, it's, and so after three years now, I am more of like, okay, well, that's not going to be helpful. That's in the long term, I need to know that you're going to be able to make it out there. And so I have to sometimes be mean. <laughs> well, and, and I can tell you that that, uh, that sort of approach of uh, providing a lot of support in the very beginning and then, you know, loosening off and loosening off. I mean, veterans are used to that. Obviously, that's the way it was in training. It's the way when you first get to a new unit, you got somebody who's showing you the ropes and then you kind of stand back. Uh, but also, um, it's, it's like that in transition, too. Uh, a colleague of mine who's also a, a mental health professional uh, is Timothy Weineke. He was in episode 15. Uh, and, and in that show, he, he, he worked a lot with uh, student veterans uh, in, in mentorship while he was also doing his, uh, his mental health thing. Um, and he said that there's a period of time, um, maybe at the end of the first year of college or maybe halfway through the second year, where he saw veterans make the shift. Like there's literally a shift of... Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna shave the beard, or I'm gonna trim the beard. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna start wearing deliberately choose clothes rather than just whatever came out of the duffel bag. But he was like, he almost saw literally, you know, when that shift made, and he saw those veterans when they made that shift, they became less reliant on like the student center and things like that, mm. and and making that shift. And so conceptually, psychologically what Sentinels of Freedom is doing is, is matching up uh, perfectly. I, I like that, that I had a great visual image of the beard. You know, everybody, all our new our guys that have just gotten out, and I say guys, that encompasses the men and women. I don't want anybody to think that we don't um, have women scholars as well. But the beard is so symbolic. of <laughs> It's the first thing everybody does. We we ask for pictures when our sentinels come um, on board. Just it helps us put a face to the name to keep mm -hmm. track of people. And easily, <laughs> you know, 75% have beards when they first uh, have gotten out. So I like that. It is. It's the shedding of that. First, it's the uh, nobody's going to tell me. I have to shave anymore. It's a rebellion. And then after a while, it's a shedding of that skin and, and owning, yeah, the next phase of their, their transition. So, well, and transitions are difficult. Any transition is difficult. So, you know, your son, when he went into the military, that was of course challenging, went through basic training at various <laughs> levels, depending on your, your service. No, no offense, Air Force. <laughs> but, uh, but, it, but it is a transition, but you have support in that transition. And a lot of veterans don't have support in that external transition, leaving the service. 
Um, and transitions can be messy. It's, it's the choppy waters. It's the, um, you know, it's the rapids on the river. And transitions can last short time, long time. But if you don't have someone with you showing you the ropes, providing you support, hey, you know, doing this, doing that to help navigate those choppy waters, it can be a much more difficult and last a longer time. And again, the support I think that Sentinels of Freedom is providing that is is reducing what is now starting to emerge as transition stress. It's beyond just PTSD and TBI, but just the stress of transitioning from one culture to another is mm-hmm. challenging in Sentinels of Freedom for for veterans in the educational space seems to be doing that so that's great well thank you that is uh yeah we really want to help them help our veterans figure it out and it is it is so stressful and sometimes that can just be immobilizing the thought of especially if they're having to navigate or fight or appeal their ratings with the va and try and and the va will call and say okay you have an appointment tomorrow at eight o'clock and if you're not there you don't get your benefits anymore or um you know that's also stressful and so you're right we just the transition itself and dealing with their injuries and everything um it's a it's a huge challenge i and every day i'm inspired by what i see that my veterans doing and it's yeah it's a daunting task but we're so incredibly proud i mean is it all right to brag for a minute about it is that? absolutely all right to brag. that yeah. <laughs> we we have had um over uh let's see 300 now to come through our program about 169 have graduated and we have people who are going to be running for political office we have people pursuing their law degrees becoming doctors, PAs, physical therapists. We have a gentleman who was just hired by the Jacksonville Jaguars as a strength and conditioning coach. We have um, uh, somebody who went through vocational school and became a gunsmith and is super happy up in Montana. And we have uh, just everything. Uh, And we're just so incredibly proud of of all of them, it just is, for me, very inspiring to get to be part of this. I think I have a great job. I really do. And well, I, I, <laughs> I would do this even if they didn't pay me, but don't tell my boss that. Maybe I'll cut that part out. Okay. Show. <laughs> but, um, but I think you have a great job, too. And, and from someone who, and this is, you alluded to it earlier, there are so many organizations that are out there that it's hard to just even understand um, where to start. Um, and six months ago, before I talked to Derek, I had no clue that Sentinels of Freedom was an organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so this is one of the, the, the things to be able to get out the information that there are organizations like this out there, um, and they're they're here to support veterans. They're not here to coddle veterans. They're not here to take advantage of veterans. They're not here to use veterans as uh, fundraising. I mean, it's just there's mm-hmm. that really the goal is to give back and serve veterans uh, in the in the way that um, uh, that that they serve that we served the community. So I think it's great. So if someone were to find out how to um, maybe how to apply or how to uh, 
um, maybe support Sentinels of Freedom, uh, what would be a good way uh, for some contact information for them to get a hold of you or someone in the organization? Great. Thank you for uh, letting me plug the organization. Absolutely. So we, uh, they can go on our website at sentinelsoffreedom.org or uh, they're welcome to call me directly. I'm, we're big on a warm handoff. I never like to just give somebody a 1-800-GOOD-LUCK number, you know, I hope it works out for you. I'm always happy to answer questions directly to see how we can uh, help them, either as a scholar or uh, as a, you know, uh, partner, a stakeholder. So I'm, is it all right to, I can get my, uh, yeah. uh, our number? Your number? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 925-380-6342, extension 303. And I'm more than happy to um, answer any questions, talk about if they think, you know, we'd be a good fit, how we can help them. And, you know, if, if now or if later, we do have a, an application window that is open currently. It closes June 1st, and that is for this fall 2018's uh, semester would be when the assistance would start, when that scholar, that cohort would start. But then even though this one closes June 1st, June 2nd, the next window opens and goes until November, and that would be for spring of 2019 funding. And, and so, and that's great. And I'll make sure that the website, uh, and you said you had a Facebook page, uh, and then your direct phone number, which you might be getting a lot of calls, which is what you want. <laughs> um, and, and so I'll make sure that all of those are in the show notes and, uh, and that people can, can check those out and, and get those. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Carol. Oh, Dwayne, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity because this is how we want to reach our, our veterans. It's all about getting the word out. That's right. You're listening to Headspace and Timing on the Change Your POV Podcast Network. Sentinels of Freedom is another great example of an outstanding program that many veterans have never heard of. It is literally changing lives. After our conversation, Carol shared with me several specific success stories. In 2007, while conducting combat operations in the midst of a firefight, Marine Corps veteran Brian Vargas was shot by an enemy sniper. The shots hit Brian in his left hand and right side of his face, rendering him unconscious. After months of rehabilitation and the resulting traumatic brain injury, he medically retired in 2009. With Sentinels of Freedom's financial and networking support, Brian graduated from UC Berkeley with a bachelor's degree in social welfare. He then returned to UC Berkeley to pursue his master's degree, and works as a constituent services representative for Congressman Eric Swalwell. Brian says, Sentinels of Freedom has opened the door to opportunities for me and my family, opportunities that I did not have before. I feel that being a Sentinel has put me in the position to be a significant member of my community, and I hope to impact other lives the way Sentinels of Freedom have impacted mine and my families. During flight testing in 2012, Aaron McLaughlin suffered from a rare form of decompression illness that permanently damaged her nervous system. After she medically retired from the Air Force, Aaron started on a bachelor's degree but was unable to complete it at the time due to her injury. 
Determined to finish her degree, she applied to the Sentinels of Freedom program. With the organization's help, Erin was not only able to graduate with a bachelor's degree in healthcare management from Trident University, but she was also able to participate in and graduate from the Human Exploitation Rescue Operative, HERO, Child Rescue Corps program. She is now gainfully employed as a computer forensic analyst with the U.S. Department of Homeland Security Investigations. Erin says, Sentinels of Freedom has provided me with the support and a group of professionals that go beyond a scholarship. They provided me with the confidence to get my life back in order, knowing that I had them rooting for me every step of the way. Matt White, an Army veteran, was severely wounded by an improvised explosive device on his second deployment to Afghanistan, causing the amputation of his right leg from the knee down. With Sentinels of Freedom support, Matt earned a bachelor's degree in nursing from the Catholic University of America. Upon graduation, he was hired by a fellow Sentinel graduate, Wayne Walden, to work as a project manager in the healthcare field for his company, Reveille Group, LLC. Matt says, Sentinels of Freedom supported me socially, professionally, and financially. Their willingness to help me regardless of the situation was unprecedented. Without Sentinels of Freedom's support and guidance, I would not be where I am today. The program ultimately set me up for success. So those are some great testimonials. You may wonder what a scholarship organization has to do with veteran mental health. As you can see, though, this is about empowering veterans, not enabling them. Our mindset, making sure our headspace and timing is set correctly, is a critical component to success in post-military life. It's not about being cured from how crazy combat made you because A, military service didn't make us crazy, and B, there's no need for a cure if there's no illness. What you did, what we did, was honorable and necessary. If it changed us, so be it. We can choose to accept our limitations and remain stuck or acknowledge our limitations and thrive in spite of them. So I announced last week that I'd be supporting organizations that are looking to spread the word about veteran mental health. I've been talking about the latest Headspace and Tommy book, Combat Vet Don't Mean Crazy. You can check it out by going to veteranmentalhealth.com slash combatvetbook. I've had some nonprofits reach out and ask how they can get copies for the veterans they're working with, and I've decided to donate some free books based on how many have sold. The first organization we're going to be partnering with is Coder Vets, a 501c3 nonprofit based in St. Louis, Missouri, that helps veterans gain technical skills by offering paid apprenticeship programs and software development. So for every five books sold during the month of May, I will donate one book to the organization. If I sell 50 books, they get 10. If I sell 100 books, they'll get 20. It's a great way to support veterans in their transition and to let them know that there's nothing wrong with making sure your headspace and timing is set correctly. A little bit of housekeeping and thanks. In addition to hearing the Headspace and Timing podcast on VeteranMentalHealth.com and wherever you find the Change Your POV podcast network, I'm pleased to be able to let everyone know that the show can also be found on Shining Bright Radio, an online radio network that brings you a bunch of different podcasts that focus on mental health. Check them out at ShiningBrightRadio.com. Next week, we're going back to more of a personal connection. I have a great conversation with my doc, Katie Kopp, who gives us a look at what it's like providing mental health in a combat zone. Dr. Kopp and I were deployed together in RC East Afghanistan from 2009 to 2010, and you might enjoy a bit of a stroll down memory lane. Until then, stay focused and be well. I'd like to thank the Change Your POV Podcast Network for hosting this show and highlighting the critical importance of veteran mental health. We want to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email at duane at veteranmentalhealth.com. You can find me at Twitter at The Counseling Vet, or head on over to Facebook and look for the Change Your POV Squad. You can find the show notes for this episode and all the episodes by going to VeteranMentalHealth.com or ChangeYourPOV.com. Sign up for updates on either or both so you don't miss another episode. While you're at it, check out the other great shows on the Change Your POV podcast network. 
the show about remembering our military history and reviving our warrior spirit, changing hearts and minds, the show about outdoor activities that us veterans love so much, Neophyte in the Woods, the show that helps us get going at the beginning of the week, Motivation Monday, and Attack Fridays, the show that brings you actionable tips, tricks, and coachable knowledge to help you make the best of your transition. While you're checking out the other shows, drop us a review in iTunes or whatever podcast platform you're listening to. The reviews really help spread the word about what we're doing. If you're looking for the total package for all the information you need to live the life you want after leaving the military, you found it. If you know of a buddy who's looking for the same info, share it with them so they can find it too. I want to thank Doc Todd for his permission to use his track, Not Alone, from his amazing album, Combat Medicine. Doc Todd is somebody who's trying to bring veteran mental health out of the darkness and into the light, and you can get the album by going to therealdoctod.com. Check it out, because remember, veterans, you're not alone. Ever. The struggle is real, found a piece and lost a soul Eventually my drinking, it got out of control There in darkness I roam, struggling to find home See suddenly death didn't feel so alone 22 a day, destination unknown It could have been avoided if you picked up the phone But now you're gone, so I guess all we get is the tone Nothing but bone weeds, overgrown, pushing up stones I've triumphed over enemies, co-creating enemies Broke out facilities that tried to put an end to me R.I.P., I'd rather grind in tranquility Authentic Tennessee, embrace my ability
Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes.